From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for May 4th, 2022, and it is an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to welcome from ESPN, Scott Van Pelt, to Teeing It Up. Hello, Scott. Jeremy, how are you? I am well. How are you today? I'm all right, thank you. Uh, That's good. So, I want to start and end on golf and the reason why you're on is that the PGA Championship is coming up in two weeks and you'll see that coverage on ESPN and CBS. It's been an odd calendar year on the PGA Tour. We had a run of guys that may not have been named brand names and then subsequent to that, you know, once we got to Augusta, uh, uh, Scheffler wins his fourth in six um uh, six, uh, sorry, fourth win in six events, and then coming out of Augusta, Spieth, Xander, Cantlay, Rom. Uh, uh, plus, you add in Rory Sunday sixty-four at Augusta. Do you think the more name brand, high world ranking guys have turned the corner, and that's kind of what we'll see as we head towards Southern Hills? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I think. I think the depth, the depth of the game is, is, you know, demonstrated week after week after week. And there's just, there's just so many. I mean, look, Cantley was close a bunch. Uh, can't, it could have been Cantley at, uh, at, uh, Harbor Town. You know, he had about a 10, 15 footer on 18. Could have been him instead of Spieth. Um, but that would have been a name brand guy too, uh, to your point. Um, I think people like Shoffley are, you know, he hadn't played as well. Uh, he's, he and Cantley both had been right there in the mix. Cantley lost a couple of playoffs. The guys, those guys are just going to win over time. You know, it's just going to happen. Rob, John Rahm is too good not to win multiple times, pretty much every year. I would think. So, I mean, I don't. I don't presume that means that we won't have more sort of, um, you know, guys outside of the top fifteen or twenty in the world winning events. I just, I think that'll continue to happen, but. You know the Cantleys, the Shoffleys, the Robs. That was that was inevitable. Uh, they're, they're going to win events every year. I happen to be with you on that, um, and and I think, you know, what what interests me about Southern Hills, um, you know, and and the way that Kerry Haig tends to set up these golf courses, is that you're going to have your birdie chances. You're going to have. Uh, you know, chances to make good numbers, and then obviously, if you get off track, um, uh, things could change. And if you look at Cantley and Xander in in that team event in uh, 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 down there at the Zurich, they they put a boatload of uh, birdies on the card, especially in that alternate shot format, which is just such a brutal format to try to have birdies in. So I think. Those guys, especially, could be trending in the right direction. And for Cantley, coming off of uh, of uh, coming off of that playoff loss, as, as you said. Yeah, I, I was. I, I watched a, a, a ton of that um, Harbor Town event. I, if he he, and if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people left there feeling like, gosh, I could have won because that, that those greens are so small that if you're on them, you feel like your your, your putts are, you know, makeable. Um, but I felt like I, I felt like Cantley had. I don't know. Felt like I saw him have ten putts that I that, that seemed like he was going to make them over the course of Saturday and Sunday. That just didn't go, um, and I'm sure he had to be frustrated. But then you know they go to New Orleans and 
think I shot 59 in the best ball to yep. start, That's, which was the first time that had happened. And, and it, to your point, they, they played well in alternate, which is a really difficult thing to do. Um, so, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I was at Southern Hills a long time ago. It was 2001, very first year I was at ESPN. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to getting back out there um, early in the week when I can do what I enjoy doing the most, which is just showing up on the first tee, you know, making sure a group doesn't mind if we kind of, you know, uh, tag along with them and just walk on the course and, you know, seeing seeing it through a competitor's eyes. I mean, we did it last year at Kiowa, and it's, you know, you, you, you it's just a, such a fun way to spend a day and really instructive for, you know, someone who's supposed to be calling the event to, uh, you know, to see it and get an idea of, uh, of, of the way they play the course. Obviously, we... I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't find the same places they do, but, but it's still it's still instructive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Scott Van Pelt with us here on Teeing It Up. So once again, ESPN uh, for the third straight year teaming up with their friends and colleagues at CBS for the PGA Championship in two weeks from uh, Southern Hills in Tulsa. You'll see essentially first uh, 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 first ball to last putt coverage Thursday through Sunday on ESPN platforms, including eight. Um, hours of ESPN produced uh, coverage Thursday and Friday on ESPN and ESPN Plus. You will be um, heading up that coverage. You've been friends with Tiger for 25 years. The frenzy that happened in Tulsa last week when he stepped on the ground for that scouting trip was absolutely remarkable. As we sit right now here on May 4th, do you think you'll be calling Tiger Woods' golf shots in uh, two weeks? Sure. I didn't I didn't after Sunday at Augusta just because it seemed like it took a lot out of him. But, I mean, he, he, look, he didn't fly up on Tuesday, uh, the week before the Masters with Charlie and, and Justin Thomas for, for fun. Yeah. And he didn't fly out to Tulsa to wander around just to see, I wonder what it's going to, I want to, see what it looks like so that when I watch it on TV I have some perspective he went out there on a on a recon mission so um, I I barring the unforeseen yeah I think I think clearly he's telling he's telling you what he's gonna do which is he's gonna play the most interesting thing to me that came out of Augusta was that you could see somebody who had in the past probably would have been aggravated with the way the weekend went and it wasn't the best weather for him over the weekend with the back but there was a sense of gratitude there that I think is really interesting as we go forward because he was fairly skeptical coming out of it just like you were for how the leg would react and now here we are and it sure looks like he's going to tee it up in uh, 15 days I, I wonder if this tiger is a gratitude tiger that comes through and is okay with struggling weekends at some majors when a setup may not be to his liking or the weather may not be to his liking because he's been able to make this comeback. Where's your feeling on Tiger's thoughts about the Masters and how he performed and how his health was and then trying to make this work when he faces some course setups going forward that may or may not be to his liking. I think you hit the key point that, that it's, he was great. The gratitude and the smile walking off Augusta, uh, 
on Sunday was notable to me. I mean, I think I sent a tweet about it um, that, that years ago when he won in, two, in 97, you know, that he, he told me about his dad and how his dad had instructed him to finish the race. That was the, the message, finish the race, finish the race. And I think this year on Sunday at Augusta, I think he finished a different race, but I think you saw clear gratitude in the ability to actually be in the arena and compete. Now, knowing him as long as I've known him, I believe the gratitude is real. I also think the gratitude will fade over time and he'll get back to being pissed off Tiger if he shoots 78-78 because that's not why he's there. He's not there for a ribbon uh, to say you played in the Masters on Sunday. You know, that, that's, not his, that's not his sort of competitive DNA. So I think... To a degree, I think the Masters was a one-off. Um, the fact that he was able to get out there and compete um, and make it to the weekend, I, I believe that that smile and that gratitude was real. Um, I mean, I know it was, but I also think that it was that, that that mindset was a temporary one of just being thankful to compete because he he's wired to try to compete and and have an opportunity to be in the mix. And so I think all the work he's doing is to give himself that opportunity, to give himself a chance to be a viable uh, member of a, of a field. Um, so that's, that's my sense of it anyway. Scott Van Pelt with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. You know, uh, and, and for those out there who... I'm, I'm not sure how by now you would not know, but Scott is the host of the Midnight Sports Center, also known. Uh, uh, what's the uh, uh, what's the line in in, in your uh, 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 Twitter bio? It's like the Midnight Sports Center, or uh, when the game leading in has ended. <laughs> yeah, or whenever the game ends, whichever is later. Yes, my own little nod to myself that we we don't know when we're going to come on. It's just whenever the game ends. But that's. Um, I'm not. It's not a complaint necessarily. It's just some, at least the late nights. But that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we, at, at the moment we're coming on following NBA or Stanley Cup playoff games. I don't, you know, I, I sit around and watch games, Jeremy, and then I talk about them. So that's nothing to complain about. Uh, uh, um, absolutely. It's just classic you to have that kind of funny uh, joke in in that uh, um, in in that biographical description. Um, one of the things that I love about that sports center, and, and I think it's why it has resonated with with so many viewers, and, and you can say one big thing, you can say bad beats, there's a whole bunch of things. But you're talking to these players so many times right after. I mean, they literally have a headset on them immediately, and you're getting the raw emotional reaction. And I've seen you at times, like some guy just dropped 45 and it, and it was some kind of double overtime game and the dude's exhausted and he can't catch his breath and you kind of can whatever questions you had planned and just kind of feed off what you're seeing and, 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 and uh, try to gauge how the person's feeling. When, when you guys created this show, however long ago that it was, and you knew you'd be coming off so many live events. Was that the hope? Was that you would get guys in such a raw form and feast off of that uh, natural raw emotion from the moment? Um, 
That's interesting. I, I had I don't I didn't really think of it that way because we didn't I didn't know for certain what we'd be getting. Um, hmm. But I do I do find that um, that that when you get uh, I, I I think particularly when you get someone um, in a setup where, for instance, when say it's the college football playoff and you get um, or the NBA finals when you get a uh, a coach or a player sitting in the room off of like the interview area like we have our own setup uh, at these things right and when you get uh, for instance we got LeBron uh, one year it's Father's Day and they just won a title and he's sitting there smoking a cigar and, and you get somebody at the most after the moment of their highest achievement and to me that's such a it's just such a gift, you know, to, to get that opportunity because now you're the athlete or the coach isn't in the big scrum. It's not in that room. It's it's a much more intimate conversation. It's you and, and the athlete or you and the coach. And I've shared this story um, a number of times, Jeremy, about talking to Dabo Sweeney one year. We're we're in a commercial break, and he puts on a headset. And I said, hey, coach, it's Scott. You know, we're in a commercial. We'll, we'll be out in about a minute. I'll, I'll be right to you. And I see him. All right, I see him look down. And I'm still looking at him. And I see him kind of shake his head. And he kind of looks up, and he's just looking around with a smile on his face. And I can still speak to him, right? We're not on the air, but yeah. I can still speak to him. And I said, I said, it just hit you, didn't it? And, and you see him kind of look around like he didn't know I was still paying attention to him and he kind of shook his head and smiled and he goes yeah I guess it did I said yeah coach I said you just you just beat Alabama you're national champions and he just shook his head and smiled and I thought what a neat deal where I watched a guy literally process holy crap we just beat we're, I'm a na- we're the national champions you know what I mean and those moments um, after the athlete or the coach has been in the highest stakes moments of, of, of a career to have those conversations. And, and, and again, they they feel more intimate when they're in those types of settings. Um, that's awesome. I find that I find those moments to be really, uh, really interesting because you get, you get a, a, a far less rehearsed, um, or guarded answer. Um, and I'm just, I'm grateful. We're the ones that, that on occasion gets a chance to get those. That is so cool, and, and that uh, uh, story, I, I had not heard that story before, but it, it makes total sense. He's just sitting there, and it finally hits him. He's got no responsibilities for those 60 seconds, and it just totally hits him. Um, Scott is also the host of, SB, of SV Pod, where you can get uh, him and, and Stanford Steve on, on yet another podcast, I think was the line you put uh, for that one. Um, the thing that I love about SV Pod, and, and, and as much as the sports talk's awesome, but when, when, when you and Stanford Steve go off the beaten sports path, uh, 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 path and you start talking about your family or, or his family, uh, you guys obviously became a, a swimming podcast last summer, um, or whether it's what I hate, or whether it's a gripe about how you can't get some kind of donut sent down to you um, down there. 
it's 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 really refreshing and it's different and it's unique and I just love the way that that has come off. Is that something that you and Steve wanted to do when you started the podcast, or, or has it kind of morphed into that? I think the latter. I mean, I, I, I what what I've learned through the years of doing whatever, all of this stuff. Um, and it's it's there there are examples of it on television certainly too that that when we when we were given an opportunity to do the sports center that we do i looked at it and from the perspective of of what do we have from radio that can translate because radio affords afforded us the opportunity to really share life you know i think i think you saw that certainly like with mike and mike um i'm I know that Rosillo and I, over time, like that, that became what we did. Um, and and in Steve and our, in the case of me and Steve, o- over the last you know ten years, we've become husbands and fathers. You know, in my case, much later than a lot of people. Um, and I think that, I think that, that look, there are eight billion podcasts about sports, and everyone can talk about draft grades and playoffs and blah blah blah. Fine, uh, and I'm not saying that blah 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 to, to be you know disparaging it's just that we're all doing some version of the same thing well but no one can talk about my struggles with, with fatherhood and the you know trying to figure out how to do it and how to get kids to go to bed and how to get kids to listen or you know Stanford Steve's sharing stories about you know his daughter's basketball games and the you know just the laughing at, at the absurdity of the parents that are you know grinding it out like your daughter's six and no one scored you know like let's 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 try to have some let's try to have some uh some sanity applied to, to these moments that like just laughing at that stuff sharing sharing your life is where people connect to you and um you know i i there's no greater example of that than in this last week with you know I, I, our family lost our dog um which was just an, an impossibly sad thing for us, and I talked about it on um, on Sports Center, and then we talked about it in our podcast this week because I just wanted people to know that their um, their kindness uh, mattered to me and that it was appreciated. And I, and I think what it comes to Jeremy is that, that you do this long enough, and I've been doing this twenty some odd years, and you share your life with people, then people. Like people felt like they knew Otis the dog, and they were—they didn't—they didn't, but they felt like they did, and they don't know me necessarily, but to a degree they do. And so, when you share yourself um, with your audience, it's—it's it's beneficial because then they—they're invested in you and they care about you, and and that's really a wonderful thing that that's that I appreciate. And so. Um, and there's, you know, not everything. You wouldn't share everything with everybody because that's just not. It's not something that I would want to do. I mean, you're, yeah. you you got to have your own life. But clearly, it's the sharing of uh, the stories, the things that matter, the the wins, the losses, the triumphs, the the, the struggles. That's what I think people relate to. Um, and I'm just grateful that people have extended us that kind of kindness and interest in in our in our lives and so that's uh, I don't know like 
I've done, I'm really kind of exploring what I think about this as I'm talking, you know, I, I, I never really thought about it um, until you asked, but it's, it's very, very obvious the, um, the benefits to, to sharing those things, even if it sometimes exposes you to having to talk about sad things like, like we dealt with in this last week. Yeah, and my uh, condolences to you and, and the whole family and the tribute. It was awful. It was awful. Our guy was, he was just such an awesome dog, man. He was such a huge part of of our group. And it's just, you know, it was just so sad. It was just so sudden, he, he, you know, and he's like that and it's gone. And you're like, oh boy, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, 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 and for folks who did not hear the one big thing, uh, listen to the podcast. They uh, put one big thing on to the end of it. Um, and you can also see the video version on uh, Stanford Steve's Twitter feed. Um, it, it was so beautifully done and, and for such a sad thing. Well, we're going to do a 180 here and talk about um, airports. And, you know, you're somebody, Scott, that travels a lot. You're somebody that um, is on flights for personal reasons, professional reasons. And I'm sure you've had, whether in airports, whether, you know, at, you know, places, people coming up to you and, you know, really being elevate as uh sorry uh being able to um put this guy towards them and and for me in 2008 i was at a uh a a uh, a, a, uh quinnipiac central connecticut state university game that uh uh demario anderson hit a half court buzzer beater to beat them i was there on a team sponsored bus field trip and I was told that that was sent to ESPN, and you, Scott, were the one that showed that highlight first coming in um, on February 28th. So you're obviously bringing people that would not normally be included in Sports Center onto the big stage. And I'm just curious how many times people have, um, you know, uh, 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 come through and. And I've uh, been like, hey, thanks for, you know, showing my highlight. Uh, that was awesome. I, I, the thing, it happens from time to time, and I, I just always, I always uh, approach things with our, from our, with our show staff from the standpoint that the, 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 these moments that happen matter, and they matter to people, and, and particularly when it's a smaller place, um, that for the, the game you're, like the type of game you're mentioning, it's like if it's Duke basketball or Alabama football or Ohio State or some gigantic place, right? Like, it doesn't matter to them. Nah, I mean, it doesn't not matter, but it doesn't matter in the same way as if Quinnipiac, you know, makes the show, right? Yeah. And so we, in the same way that we look for the off the beaten path at beat, we look, we we love to shine a light on the moments that wouldn't otherwise be seen. And, and we can put it on that big stage um, because we don't overrate ourselves. Um, I mean, we're on cable at midnight. You know, it's not it's not that it's not Broadway, but it matters, man. And when we were when we're able to put those uh, those moments on and, and, and share them, it, the the reaction from people is always uh, really gratifying. So um, anytime 
you know, it happens maybe more on Twitter. You know, somebody will just say, "Hey, it's so cool that you showed such and such." Well, I'm I'm glad it mattered. You know, and, and we know that it does. So we we're always uh, open to looking for stuff like that to to try to elevate those moments, and it's really really fun when those when you can do it. Scott Van Pelt with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. He, uh, you will see him for many, many hours, uh, starting two weeks <laughs> from tomorrow. Um, sounds like that um, for the uh, PGA Championship at Southern Hills. In my day job, I write PGA best business practices for PGA Magazine. And, um, you know, one of the things about that, that job is I'm it's it's for pros by pros so I'm helping these pros tell the story of what's working for them so that uh, their colleagues can can, can uh, uh, see that and I'm just curious because this field as as many know has 20 PGA professionals in it who uh, qualified at um, last week and when you guys have your uh, 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 maiming, um, production uh, uh, meetings, uh, whether it's you guys and CBS or just uh, uh, your crew, and with as many hours and minutes you guys have, you have an opportunity, uh, unlike uh, previous before this contract, to showcase these PGA professionals and make sure that everyone gets on TV. Have you felt that, or is that something you guys have really? Um, made a focus to get these 20 people onto TV and tell their story? Yeah, for sure. And, and the same, now, but, but, and we try to do it, Jeremy, as much in the, in the construct of telling the story of the tournament, um, as opposed to, like, no one's telling us you have to do it, but, but it, you, it's, it doesn't feel like an obligation to, you know, focus on, so and so, you you want to represent where they're from because it matters. You you can imagine that you know if you're the um, if you're the pro from a place and you know pick a town, Rochester, New York, and you know the folks in Rochester are excited to watch their 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 guy compete. And we, in the same way, like you and I were just talking about, maybe if you're showing a, the Quinnipiac highlight that yeah. wouldn't have otherwise be seen, it's not dissimilar to that. In fact, there's a lot of there's a lot that is is similar. Now, maybe somebody plays great, and there they are, a couple under, and they're ahead of a bunch of great pros. That's cool. But beyond that, you're earned the right to be there. Here they are. Here's their story. Here's where they're from. Um, I feel like Sean McDonough is brilliant, um, and, I, and Sean's got the Stanley Cup playoffs, so uh, it's it, we'll have to pick up the slack for him and, and finding those stories and really highlighting them. I think that Sean's brilliant in a lot of things, but but that's maybe what he's best at. Um, like during doing the Open Championship for years and doing the you know the PGA, I feel like he's always got some anecdote, some some story about um, about these uh, about these pros that I think uh, it's, it's great when you can as I, again shine that light. Uh, but it's it's it feels to me much like an Open qualifier in either the Open Championship or the U.S. Open. Like somebody's story, how they got there. And the fact that they're competing in the same event with, you know, Tiger and John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler and all the rest of these folks. I mean, that's, there's something that's really, uh, you wouldn't see that in any other sport. Uh, and so telling those stories is something that we, we absolutely like to do. Uh, 
I just always feel like when it's when it's done, you know, within the construct of the of the tournament, as opposed to sort of, you know, no one's telling you you need to shoehorn it in, you know, and we've got enough time to do it organically, you know, we've got all those hours. We're going to make sure we find the those folks and tell their tell their story. Um. And then finally, Scott, if I may, can I indulge you to tell the Tiger Woods pizza story from, I believe, 02 at Augusta, and then, uh, 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 uh yep, because that's... Yeah, so, so Tiger wins the Masters, and I'm going to do the Sunday conversation. And so I'm sitting there waiting for Tiger, he walks in, what's up? How are you, buddy? I am bleeping starving. I'm like, yeah. Hey, God, I want a pizza. I'm like, all right. I said, tell you what. So you win the U.S. Open, and when you, we'll do this again, and we'll have a pizza. So what do you want? He's like, sausage and pepperoni. All right, you got it, dude. Ha ha ha. We'd laugh. Don't think anything of it. We do our Sunday conversation. Well, we fast forward to Beth Page, and it's Sunday. And lo and behold, who's going to win? Tiger's going to win. And so we had been talking about, the, like, you know, you've got all day sitting around uh, in the compound with the television compound with your with your group. And I said, you know, remember we, he told us he was starving, he wanted a pizza. And then, Lord Beth Page, we're in New York. They've got to be able to get a pie around here. We get it. So we call ahead. We tell them it's for Tiger Woods. We need a pizza, blah, blah, blah. I, I want to say that there was like a police escort to get the pizza to us. I might be making that up, but it makes the story better. So let's just, for argument's sake, let's, let's imagine there was like a, it was, it was like a, like a, a, a an ambassador or something. Because <laughs> the sultan of whatever is, is being escorted to our compound with motorcycles and cops. I, that's probably, now I'm embellishing beyond what's reasonable, but somehow or another, we get the pizza. Tiger wins. He comes in to do the conversation. He walks in with his agent, Mark Steinberg, and he looks at me and he goes, what's that? I said, you told me at Augusta that if you won, you wanted a pizza, and I'm sure you're hungry. And he's like, are you, he's like big giant smile. He's like, there's a pizza. Like, yeah, there's a pizza in that box. And he looks at Stein, he's like, can I, can I have the pizza? He's like, you just want the US Open. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so we shut the door, and I'm supposed to get like, you know, the five minutes that you get, and then he's taken to the to the media. Well, he sits down with us, and we just start eating pizza and talking about the Lakers. <laughs> and this is going on for 20 minutes. We haven't even started talking. And he eats a couple pieces of pizza, and then finally we, you know, get him a napkin and let get the pizza off his chin and then we do our conversation meanwhile the guy from the usga who was the, the media liaison at the time was a guy by the name of craig smith and craig wherever you are i'm sorry for what we did and i'm glad you didn't get your hands on me because when i tell you he wanted to rip my head off me i'm he wanted to end my life because he needed to get tiger to the uh, print media and he's 20 minutes late because he's in a back room with Van Pelt with the door shut eating pepperoni and sausage pizza. But that's what we did. Um, and when Tiger got up and went on to the next round, like there's a, there's a, there's like a paper plate with two pizza crusts sitting on it. 
and one of the one of the like our camera folks is like, "How much do you think you get for this pizza crust on eBay?" Like, <laughs> the, the, the pizza, the, the pizza, the tiger ate. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, we're, we're not. We got the guy a pizza. We sat here and, and you know had a had a quick bite, and did an interview. We're not selling anything on eBay. We chucked it in the trash. But it was just the guy's celebrity at that point was such where there, I mean there was no more famous athlete in the world. So it was kind of funny that you know a we got the pizza. You know b one of our camera folks is trying to figure out how to monetize the pizza crust, <laughs> and uh, c the guy from the USGA wanted. Uh, wanted to end me because we uh, we put the brakes on that train it's a very well oiled machine after a major you get this person they, somebody else gets this person they go do the golf channel bit to this to that to the other and uh, yeah we screwed that up but it was fun I, I'm sure it was that 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 was fantastic thank you Scott and and as somebody who was there that day um, on that Sunday, I could have used some of that pizza too because I was starving, and then and, and then there was the rain delay. And I think, if I remember correctly, wasn't that part of the USGA person's um, frustration? Is that because this was happening later than normal, they were concerned that some of the print media may not get their stuff in by deadline? I'm sure that was the case, and we we did not help anyone on that day. <laughs> uh, and I I, I, I imagine. That, that had to be I mean it was really late and we're in there just eating pizza talking about the Lakers so sorry <laughs> and it comes back around because if you remember at the 19 Masters when, when Tiger wins and he comes back to Butler Cabin for that um, bonus interview with CBS uh, Nance asked him how he's doing you know 90 minutes after this all happened and he goes I'm starving because I haven't had a chance to eat yet that was his first response I'm starving so uh, that's I mean I, I think the people you know it makes sense I mean you're out there for hours and you're grinding and you're competing and you, it would only make sense that you know when you get done you'd really like to get some food in your belly so yeah. we were there to oblige we uh, so today's um, May 4th the first round is May 19th of the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. The final round is scheduled for Sunday, May 22nd. Right now, and, and, and we're, you know, we're 15 days out from round one, who do you see hoisting the Wanamaker Trophy? I mean, at this point, a guy that wins every time he starts and says his favorite course is Southern Hills, um, as I, I, I was talking to a, a writer out in Tulsa, and I said, sometimes you, you, you don't need to be try so hard to be clever, you know. Um, and I always say the same thing, Jeremy, with these with these majors. I mean, it's hard to pick the winner of the Super Bowl. There's two people, two teams, right? <laughs> like I'm supposed to pick one out of 150 some odd. I mean, I I just don't I don't know how you don't start your list with Scheffler, given how he's performed and given the fact that. He himself says his favorite course in the world, Southern Hills. So, um, I mean, he and Rom will be the will be the. I assume Rom will probably be the favorite. Um, but either either one of those two seems like a decent place to start your conversation. Um, but I think you have to start it with the guy that won the Masters, and who's certainly figured out a pretty efficient way to win golf tournaments. Yeah, and I mean, in in my mind, 
you know, Spieth also said that, that he likes Southern Hills because it's the same grass that he uh, he he learned to play on, and, and he's right. obviously looking for the uh, 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 Grand Slam. So there's, a, I think those two guys, just just because of the whole Texas-Oklahoma connection, are, are definitely something. Right now, um, and I don't know where this is from offhand, but right now it's Scheffler, Rom, Rory, Morikawa, JT, DJ, Cam Smith, and uh, Kepka. In, in those, terms of favorites. In terms of favorites? Yeah. All makes sense. I mean, you know, all, all, I mean, somebody will play well that's not on the list because that's how majors go. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, but somebody from that group certainly will be, you know, and more than somebody, a, a bunch of those will be on the uh, will be on the first page just a matter of what order and, you know, who's on the top. But that's the fun part. That's why we show up to find out, right? Yes, absolutely, and you will be there um, in two weeks on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Scott, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. It's 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 very much appreciated, and um, looking forward to watching all you guys in uh, two weeks. Jeremy, thank you for having me. Thanks for the kind words about the show and, and everything else. And, uh, I appreciate how much you uh, you do for the game. I know how much you love it. So it's uh, this is good fun. I thank you for the time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And thank you all out there for listening to this edition of uh, Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.